This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Pre-recorded from Joe's mom's basement, it's a rewind episode of the Stacking Benjamin Show. Hey everyone, I'm Griffin the Intern, or as the ladies in Joe's Mom's Bridge Club call me, the Fintern. As you all know, it's never, ever dull here in Basementville. Joe's Mom was waiting for me at the top of the stairs today with a box of press clippings and a flash drive. Apparently she's putting together a scrapbook of, as she says, her boy's finest moments. Check out these newspaper articles. Local boy arrested again for indecent exposure. Town pool shut down due to local kids prank. And of course my favorite, werewolf debunked. Local Harry Boys full moon streaking comes to an end. Man, glad I wasn't around to see that. But here's the one she's most proud of. Apparently Farnoosh Torabi came down to the basement on June 24th, 2015, and it was such a great episode that it made Joe's mom cry. See, Farnoosh answered some of your letters way better than these guys would have alone. It's a fun episode, and she's sure you'll love it. Not sure how we're going to put it in a scrapbook, so we'll just leave it here. Remember, disregard any investment info or giveaway mentions. Enjoy! Hey, hey, happy Wednesday, everybody. Hey, instead of our normal crazy opening that we have, I got to share this because it just warmed my heart. Uh, I got this on Sunday. Wasn't able to put it on the show on Monday. We already had most of Monday's show together. But uh, those of you that stay around to the end of the show may know that Ivy is our editor. And you may or may not know that Ivy is in the Philippines. And I've never met her. We, she, she is my right hand woman, uh, takes care of these episodes so much. People that know a little bit about me know that I'm a natural stutterer. I've been stuttering since I was a little kid and sometimes I become a jackhammer and she gets rid of all that and makes me sound fluid and sexy, (laughs) maybe not sexy, but anyway, it was so awesome to receive this. Ivy has a daughter who is six years old. And, uh, so I got this. 
And we're just going to use this to launch into today's show. Happy belated Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Let's kick off our Wednesday show. Tweet, 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 tweet. There's a tiny message, a very tiny one. Hi, I'm Trinity, six years old and from the Philippines. If I'm not studying, I listen to my mom editing the Stacking Benjamin show. Oh, by the way, I'd like to greet Mr. Genius himself, Mr. Joe Selsey High, and the one and only OG. Happy Father's Day. I love ya. It's all about you today. Well, isn't it always? We're answering your letters on today's podcast with a little help from our good friend, Farnoosh Tarabi, joins us on today's show. Live from a parent's basement in Texarkana, Texas, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. Hey, everybody, I'm Joe Salcihai, Average Joe Money on Twitter, and we've got fun for you today. Mom's got lemonade and Oreos, you've got your earbuds in, and we're at the folding table ready to talk all things money. Also coming up on today's show is if Farnoosh Tarabi is not enough. Good news about 401k auto enrollment and planning on working in retirement. We have a great suggestion from the Morningstar blog. That and more all on today's Stacking Benjamins. And here he is, the guy who's always bringing the show, the one and only OG. I'm bringing the noise. Bring the noise. I like that song. What's that? That's old Public Enemy. It's Public Enemy. Yeah. How are you, man? I am fantastic. I uncovered a problem in the business. In the but business. I'm, but, but I'm going to work on it Who's, as soon as we get done here. So oh, no problem. You already have enough money. Who cares about the business? I do. But <laughs> I, do. No, I am I independently wealthy. However, yeah, no, no. handing it over to my clearing firm is not the type of thing I'm looking for. Well, it's funny. You know, I'm trying to teach my kids to not be shy about money, but yes. also not be public about it. Because I think too many times, you know, you're, you kind of grow up with not knowing anything about it, right? You got to learn how it's made and learn how things cost and judge value and that sort of thing. So I'm trying to teach them about that, but they can't. Anyway, we'll end this on a funny story. The first later. thing you should be teaching your kids about is to go to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash SoFi, S-O-F-I. Because on Monday, we talked about the interest rates there on student loans. You know, if your kids end up with student loans, OG, they should refinance those at SoFi. But how about on mortgages? Listen to this. Tem- as little as 10% down and no PMI and can lend up to $3 million. No application origination of their lender fees. Compete with cash offers as SoFi underwrites borrowers at the pre-approval stage. Typical closing in less than 30 days. That would help you, huh? Yeah, nice. <laughs> and much more. People love this company, which is why we're so glad that SoFi is a sponsor. Check them out, whether it's student loan, mortgages, or personal loans. Don't get into more debt using SoFi. Use this as the number one way to help you get out of debt to get your debt at low interest rates when you need it. Head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash SOFI. And 
for the rest of your financial products, why don't you head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money to complete your one-two punch? Because if you haven't checked out your checking account, your savings account, or your credit cards against the best available on the market, Magnify Money looks at over 90%, over 90% of the products that are out there. So if you're paying checking account fees, or if you have zero ATM machines and you're the type of person that needs the ATM, or better yet, you're somebody that doesn't have online deposits, how easy are those? I don't want to leave my house and go to the bank. Head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. And those guys will hook you up. Love the letter on Monday from Patrick, who uh, compared his credit cards and went to one that helped out with his kids' college. Their cashback was was stuff that went into their college fund. So that was neat to see. Stackingbenjamins.com forward slash SoFi, S-O-F-I, and stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. Two sites, OG, takes you very little time, and you're all set. Speaking of all set, we're all set with a big lineup for people today. We've got uh, Farnoosh Tarabi coming down to the basement later. But before we get to that, let's talk about headlines. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins headlines. Love this article from the Morningstar blog, OG. Need to work in retirement? Think small. This is written by Mark Miller. More retirees than ever intend to keep working past traditional retirement age, but age discrimination and job burnout pose major challenges to staying in the corporate workforce. Entrepreneurship can be a viable alternative route for retirees, and it's getting more commonplace. Entrepreneurs age 55 to 65 accounted for, get this, 26% of all startups last year, up from 15% in 1996, according to the Kaufman Index of Entrepreneurial Activity. What this says is Think about small business, OG, when you're working because you're more likely to be entering a passionate workplace, someplace you really want to work, and you keep a few dollars rolling in. And if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you can start up your company while you're still closing out your career at whatever job you're working at now. Well, a lot of times you can try to do some consulting work for the company that you just retired from. Yeah, uh, yeah That happens a lot. Yeah, you might have built-in clients already out of the gate. Yep. And it's funny because when you look at not only 26% of the startups out there founded by people over 65, it's even more remarkable that most of the successful startups you read about are not by 20-somethings. They're by 50-year-old plus, people that know how the business works. Well, and you've already seen, you're already an expert in that field. Right. You're not just coming out going, I think that soap on a rope would sell good. You already know that there's this one particular thing that causes everybody in your industry stress and you can spend probably the last 20 years thinking about how it's caused you stress. And if, boy, if I could fix that, here's what I would do. You know where the holes are to be plugged. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's almost like we were talking about, uh, uh, mom's neighbor, Doug and I last Monday, we're talking about these robo advisors saying, well, here's what people really want. And it's some 27 year old running the show at a robo telling me what 50 year olds want. I don't, I don't think at 27, I had any clue what 50 year olds wanted. I agree. Now I'm, hell, I'm 47. I got no idea what 50-year-olds are. You're 47? Holy I'm, moly. I'm the old guy in this year's show. Different. Yeah. You're a different OG. You're the old guy. <laughs> OG1 and OG2. A very, very interesting article. Uh, we'll leave it there. We'll have the link on stackingbenjamins.com forward slash whatever this episode is. <laughs> this will be... <laughs> 
Is that professional? I'm 47 years old. I don't know how to be professional. Head to the show notes at stackybenjamins.com. We'll have the link there. Second, you know, we've been talking a lot about this idea of open enrollment not going as well as people want it to. There is some good news out recently. More retirement plans embrace auto enrollment. This is according to the Wall Street Journal. Plan participation rates are increasing as more employees are automatically enrolled, according to the Wall Street Journal. Aside from newly hired employees, plan sponsors are now beginning to enroll eligible employees who are not yet participating in retirement plans. Sounds like something we just said. We talked about that just a few weeks ago, that that needs to start happening. Wall Street Journal says, guess what? It's starting to happen. So good news there. We told everybody and they're doing it. Everybody listens. Damn skippy. Yeah, we'll expect our check in the mail for getting that ball rolling. Third article comes from Yahoo Finance, and this is by Kathleen Elkins. The single most effective way to get rich. Now, when I see that headline, I think with Warren Buffett, a picture of Warren Buffett, single most effective way to get rich. I'm like, I like being effective and I like getting rich. Single most effective. Contrary to popular belief, you don't have to be an expert about personal finance to get rich. But what is the single most. I don't need the kerfuffle at the beginning. You don't need the, to give use. Give me the steak. I don't need no sizzle. You don't need to use fancy economic jargon or okay. know this year's hottest stock. I agree. So far, so good. You don't have to come from an affluent family. It helps. <laughs> and you don't even have to earn a massive paycheck. For most people, it all boils down to one thing. Wait for it. Investing. Huh. A whole flippant article. Written about so, the most effective way to get rich is to invest. Holy, stop the presses. So, is there anything else? <laughs> On average, millionaires invest 20% of their household income each year. Their wealth isn't measured by the amount they make each year, but by how they've saved and invested over time. This is this girl's first article, and isn't it? Writes Ramit Seti in his New York Times bestseller, I Will Teach You to Be Rich, that came out, you know, several years ago. 700 years ago. I like the book. I, I like that book. I Will Teach You to Be Rich. You can buy it at the Big Ben store on the site, but holy cow. <laughs> so invest. Invest. Huh. Who'd have thunk it? I will say this. Saving 20% of your income is not something you and I see. I didn't see it a lot when I was an advisor. You're still an advisor. You don't see people saving 20% of their income. Nope. And then the second problem is the earlier you invest, the more savvy you become because you start, it's like anything, you become more comfortable with it as you're around it. And if you wait to invest until later, you're not going to build up that, what's it Malcolm Gladwell talks about, the 10,000 hours of getting good at something. If you're going to get good at investing, you probably got to start when you're young. And compounding interest on top of that. Yeah, I think it must be Kathleen's first article. And then there's a neat graph that shows that how Billy Bob, when he started saving early, how his money went up quicker earlier. Holy cow. So if you save more sooner, oh, I'm sorry, if you invest more sooner, you end up with more. (laughs) Two words. Who knew? Who knew? Yes. We should just shut this thing down. We don't have anything else to add beyond that. The single easiest way to get rich, invest. You know what would be better would be to invest a gigantic inheritance that you got or invest a gigantic lottery winning. The quickest way to get rich, win the lottery. There it is. Or have some rich person die. Or have a rich person die. Yeah, but then you got to build the relationship thing. You got to pretend you like them for a long period of time. I mean, who's got time for that? Not if they have like, not if they're really shut down mentally what just mean, just like a caregiver try to get the will changed yeah yeah not try i mean you just do it and then just hold their hand with the pen and it's so bad <laughs> <laughs> don't do any of that <laughs> 
Do what she said, invest. Yes, the lessons from today's show. Invest if you want to get rich. Forget everything else. Invest. That is, you heard it here. Well, second, you heard it at Yahoo Finance first, but you heard it here second. And then number two, OG, is don't wait for automatic enrollment. I love automatic enrollment. Don't worry about automatic enrollment. Find out what your goal is and invest that amount in your retirement plan. And then third, and probably the best thing is, if you're over 50 and you're looking at retirement, maybe think small business. And as we said earlier in the show, this show is all about you. We're so far backed up on letters that we thought we would take as many of your letters as we could get to today and we'd answer them. OG had to go take out the trash for mom. So I'm sitting here alone to do these. And Farnoosh Tarabi, what are you doing walking down the stairs? (laughs) I came to rescue you. And first of all, I can't believe that people are sending you letters. Isn't that amazing? I mean, are they actually putting them in the mail, like real letters, like you're in prison and people are sending you letters? I think it must be those Ask Farnoosh segments they figure are so backed up, they might as well ask the number two show. (laughs) Well, you know what? This is also my favorite part of my podcast is responding to listeners. And so I just wanted to share the love, be with you, help if I can, and, you know, maybe take some of your listeners away from you and bring them over to my show. (laughs) And that's what everybody listening to the show. Let's be honest. Let's (laughs) be honest. That's my ulterior motive. (laughs) That's what they're all hoping for, Farnoosh. Come on. All right. Well, let's get down to it. You ready? Ready. Number one question was from Emily. And this one actually came, she was a part of our Stacking 101 Benjamins class, but this was a good one I thought we'd answer for listeners as well. And also, I'd love to get your take on this, Farnoosh. When building a financial plan, she's doing one of these online plans. What return should I use when I'm looking at, you know, the rate of return my money's going to get? And also, online calculators have been asking her for inflation and social security. What should she fill in for all those boxes? Those are some good questions. Really good question. If she's young, let's say she's in her 20s and she's looking to retire 30 years from now, 40 years from now, that's a really good, healthy bit of time during which I think an expected rate of return conservatively, 4%, 5%. If we have really great years in between, maybe it's 7%, 8%. But I think that on a conservative level, I would say 4 to 5%. Again, assuming that she is investing over the long term. I mean, if she's looking to invest in over the course of a year, I'd say, I don't know, your guess is as good as mine. But historically, we know that the stock market over like a 20, 30 year period has returned, you know, anywhere from six to 8%. But then I like to be conservative. And as far as inflation and social security, I think we can assume that inflation goes up on average about 3% a year. It's that's kind of two to three percent is kind of the rate we've been seeing historically, right? And then Social Security, you can find out actually what your projected Social Security payout will be at the time that you think you're going to retire. Just go to ssa.gov, that's the Social Security Administration's website, and create an account. Just follow the steps. And they should have all of your, it's actually a good idea for everybody to do this because you want to make sure that first of all, your income has been getting reported accurately over all of these years and that your social security estimate reflects that. Sometimes the government makes mistakes. They forget they don't have all your tax returns and they skip a couple years. It's happened. So you want to catch this now if it's, fortunately, hopefully we're all okay, but it's just a good idea to check. But there you should also be able to get an estimate. I have my estimate already. If I were to stop working today, what would be my social security payout 
at 65 or 66, whatever. So do that. And that should hopefully be the variable you can plug into these online calculators. I can't believe you said the government makes mistakes without laughing just a little bit. I was crying on the inside. <laughs> right. And then the second thing is, if Emily's young, you know, you have the other problem when you're building a financial plan, which is what to do with Social Security. I mean, part of me agrees with article by Jane Bryant Quinn, the great financial writer, when she said that, you know, she thinks Social Security is going to be around because imagine, Farnoosh, a congressperson being brave enough to stand up and say, let's get rid of the biggest social program in the United States. However, it's got to change. It will change. I firmly believe it will change. That said, I don't think that it's going to be gone. If you've been paying into Social Security, even if you're 25 and you're paying into it, something has to be there waiting for you (laughs) when you retire. It's not like they can say, okay, thanks for your money. Goodbye. (laughs) See you later. Um, See you later. Like something's got to be there. And we know the accounting powers that be over in government have calculated it. And we know that we're going to be basically running a Social Security deficit like the next 30 years or so. So anticipating that, I think that there's going to have to be some modification at the least. So then maybe Emily uses like half of the number she comes up with or two thirds the number maybe? Sure. Yeah. I mean, we know that now more than ever, it's up to us to really secure our own retirement savings. That if we do get social security, if the market does perform well, that that's just going to be cherry on top. We shouldn't bank on that necessarily happening to the fullest. So we should do as much as we can on our own to save. And hey, if we arrive at 60, 65 and the market's done well and, you know, we've got all of our social security dollars rolling in like Benjamins, then great. But that shouldn't be that. We should hope for that, but not plan accordingly. Yeah. I like doing it the conservative way. More money, more ice cream, right? Yeah, exactly. Number two question comes from Jonathan. He says, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'm buying investment property with partners. He has a couple cash flowing properties of his own, but he has a couple friends who have some cash to invest, but little experience. They've kicked around the idea of going in together on a condo or a small apartment building. If they actually do this, Jonathan wants to make sure it's done right. Everyone knows what to expect and returns, if any, are handled properly. What advice would we give him in this situation? And do you think it's a wise move? Hmm. Well, knowing that your friends don't have a lot of experience, you have to be comfortable kind of spearheading this. And it doesn't sound like it's going to be a lot of fun. If you've got some dum-dums that want to like basically (laughs) ride on your coattails to like make money in real estate, I don't know if you want to be in business with them. Like I think better to be in business with like educated partners. And if you're going to do this, you want to really look around for a smart buttoned up real estate attorney that all of you pay for to draft up these contracts and to keep everybody on the same page. And I don't like the idea that, you know, your buddies are not really informed and just kind of like, I think they're just kind of excited about the idea. They've seen you do well and they want a piece of it. But if I worry that if they're not at the very least getting educated, that they're not going to be proactive in the whole process. And it's just going to be more of a burden for you. And it's not going to be very enjoyable. Generally, when I had a client like Jonathan, who told me something like this, Farnoosh, I would start off by telling them, frankly, I think it's kind of a horrible idea. Number one, getting into business with friends. How often does that work? Never. Well, (laughs) I mean, I'm speaking generally, but anything that involves friends and money usually ends up being a disappointment. Yeah. And I love your idea of having everything in writing, because if it's not in writing, there's going to be misunderstandings. Everything has to be buttoned up. So getting that lawyer and doing it right. And people will often furnish, they'll avoid the lawyer, right? Because they want to save a few bucks and that costs them a ton of money later. Exactly. Yeah, I know. And this whole thing just sounds like it's not fun. 
Right. And I don't know, Jonathan, maybe you just want to keep doing what you're doing as a solo real estate investor. And if your friends want to do it, you know what, maybe what you can say is, you guys do your own thing. I'll be happy to kind of consult you. But yeah. as far as pooling our money together and investing as a team, I don't think I have the bandwidth for that. Charge them a big consulting fee. I mean, <laughs> gouge your buddies. Yeah. <laughs> if Especially they don't know very much. Oh, that's horrible advice. Number <laughs> three. Friends. That's in conclusion. Rip off your friends. Next that's one. right. That's great advice from Farnusha Joe. Number three comes from Dan. This is more of a technical question about podcast. Dan says, love the podcast. Thank you. If I listen to one on my smartphone and stop after 10 minutes, is it possible to listen to it again starting at the 10 minute mark? Or do I need to start at the beginning every time? It sounds like Dan has an app where he must be going to the Stacking Benjamins website, Farnoosh, because I know that I listen to podcasts podcast on Stitcher and they always start up right where I left off. Well, I have the podcast app on my iPhone. I use that to listen to shows and you can kind of move the cursor on the player to an approximate time. And hopefully that can help you get to where you want to be without having to listen to everything all over again. Yeah. But doesn't yours start off if you stop? Doesn't it start off right at the same point? Yeah, I'm doing it now. Stop, go, stop, go. Stops in the same place and goes back. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know which player you're using. I think Dan just might not know that there's great podcast apps out there, whether it's the iTunes podcast app, Stitcher, which I use when I listen to shows, whatever, whatever it might be. What I like about Stitcher is I don't have to download anything. It streams it. So my right. phone doesn't get clogged up and I end up later spending half an hour moving a bunch of stuff for my phone. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Hmm, I've got to think about that because my phone is always like, it's about to like die on me. <laughs> Every three minutes is like, please stop. You know, I tried to download another app yesterday. It said, you don't have any room, buddy. Sorry. Exactly. Yeah. I'm sure it didn't phrase it that way, but, and I think we'll do one more if you got a few more minutes, Farnoosh. Yeah, sure. This last one comes from Brandon. Brandon says he's recently started listening to podcasts and he found ours to be one of his favorites. See, Farnoosh, somebody loves ours. Wow. Uh, <laughs> those people are out there. They uh, exist. He doesn't consider himself to be a novice at finances by any means, but he still likes brushing up on topics or getting new insights into issues from me and my guests. He's started realizing that everyone talks about maxing out your 401k or retirement plan, but it's used more like a motto than anything with real substance. What is it that all the personal finance advisors are really trying to say? He's come to a few different possible definitions. Definition number one, maxing out means contributing as much aside as you comfortably can with your current budget. So putting as much away as you can means just maxing out your budget. Number two, it means contributing as much as necessary to get the match. Number three, it means contributing $5,500 to an IRA. Or four, it means contributing the most, $18,000 to a 401k and $5,500 to an IRA per person. It seems like the advice often offered is based on number four, putting the most in a 401k and an IRA. And he says, but for a regular person, they make around $52,000 and people are being told to put 47000 if it's a dual income household aside. Can somebody really do a 90% savings rate? It is true, Farnoosh, that a lot of people say, well, number one is max out your 401k, right? Max out your retirement plans is a general rule yeah. of thumb that we well, use. Rules of thumb are really ideals, you know? And I think I agree with him that when we hear that expression, I think they're being quite literal, like really you try to max it out. Because, well, one, you get a great tax benefit from doing so. You get to reduce that from your taxable income. But also, let's be honest, you're saving aggressively for retirement, which is better than most people. Most people are approaching retirement with very, very little, if anything, to retire on. So, yeah, I mean, you have to also put it in perspective. If you're earning $52,000 a year, putting whatever it is, like 
$23,000 for you and then $23,000 your partner, that's crazy. That's a lot of money. But maybe it's that you do the best you can, which isn't the max, but it's the best you can. And maybe that means at the minimum, at least trying to match your employer's offering. Maybe it means doing 10% of your income or 15% of your income. So it's perhaps that you're not doing the full 18 grand or the full 5,500 into an IRA, but you're doing half that or some of that. But the important thing is, is that you're doing the best you can and taking into account the fact that when you retire, you hopefully you've projected how much you may need. And I know that's kind of very obscure for some people, but try to kind of figure out a rough ballpark estimate and then work backwards and understand that you're going to earn more throughout the years. You might be making $52,000 today, but in five years, I would guess, I would hope you're making a lot more than that. And so take that into account too. The more you make, the more you can save. I like that advice to start from your goal and work backwards because, you know, you look at a plane that takes off for Hawaii, let's say, they have a general idea of where Hawaii is. They can't see it yet, but they have a general idea. And then every few seconds, the autopilot and the pilot are making little tiny corrections, right? I mean, for me, that seems to be the way to pick the amount you put in your 401k. Exactly. I agree. And then at the very least, at the very least, I think I'm with Brandon here. I'm not sure what exactly people mean. And I think it is what you're talking about, Farnoosh, that some people or that we use it more as an ideal, you know, do as much as you can. But at the very least, at the very least, you got to put in what the company matches because you're giving away so much money when you don't do that. And maybe it seems like a little money at first. But when you look at compounding interest, which most people don't, you could be giving away tons and tons of retirement money. Exactly. Please take the free money. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of lazy. And if I can have somebody else do my work for me, like have Farnoosh Tarabi on to answer my letters or have the company (laughs) put money in my 401k, I'm going to do that. Well, I'm here to serve, Joe. (laughs) Tell everybody, the three people that don't know about your awesome So Money podcast, what that thing's all about. So Money is a daily podcast, which I've learned quickly is a lot of work. If my listeners are telling me it's a lot of work to listen to the show, (laughs) imagine producing a daily show. But it's a labor of love. It's a daily show where I interview everyone from Tony Robbins to The Millionaire Next Door to today, for example, Zena Kumak, who managed to erase her student loan debt in a very short period of time. Inspirational stories from people from all walks of life, all levels of success to talk about what is still culturally taboo in our culture topic, money, talking about money on a very personal level. You know, this isn't a show where you're going to learn how to coupon or save on gas or not really the nitty gritty, but really more philosophical approaches to managing your money. But along the way, also a lot of great step-by-step advice, lessons learned from our guests about their failures, their successes with money, their number one habits to help them stay financially free. So it's a dialogue really between me and the guest about over a topic that you don't usually get to hear them talk about, especially like the other day I talked to Ross Matthews, who's a a red carpet host. on. I love, love that guy. He's hilarious. Like I've always wanted to talk to Ross. Who knew that the first chance we would be able to connect would be to talk over money. But you know what? It was great because he never has talked really about money for 30 minutes at any point in his life. And he admitted to me that if he could avoid talking about money, thinking about (laughs) money, he would love that because he grew up in a household where his parents fought about money. And so it brings up all this like 
anxiety as an adult. So this is what the show's about. It's about just unearthing the emotions that we have surrounding money and money matters, getting everybody inspired, empowered, and getting your finances from good to great. And you're still out a lot talking about your book, which was the last time that we saw you here at Stacking Benjamins, When She Makes More. I know you just did another book signing with Laura Vanderkam. I did. Yeah, Laura and I, we did a panel in New York surrounding this topic of women and success. And me having written a book about female breadwinners and how to navigate money and career and relationship with this economic dynamic in your life. I talked about sort of the financial secrets to success. And then Laura just wrote a wonderful book called I Know How She Does It. And she interviewed over 100 women making six figures about how they stack their day, literally hour by hour logs and looking for consistencies as far as what was helping them achieve their goals from work goals to family goals, personal goals as far as how they were designing their schedules. And lots of interesting takeaways from her book. Laura is a fantastic journalist, so I was happy to team up with her. My book just came out in paperback a couple months ago, so if you're looking to buy it, it's a lot cheaper now, which is always good. It's like, I don't know, 11 bucks on Amazon. So if you're interested in learning about how to navigate love, life, and the world as a breadwinning, awesome woman, pick it up. I'd love to get your feedback. That's awesome. And I absolutely love Laura Vanderkam. She's so funny. You know, she's I mean, so funny. She has this very dry sense of humor. She does. And, uh, yeah. Do you know she has four kids? Yes. Well, she was one of the first interviews that we did on our old Two Guys in Your Money show before Stacking Benjamins. And I was so shocked when she said, yes, she'd do it. I was so pleased. And she's going to be on our show in the next two weeks talking about the new all book. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I can't wait to talk to her again. And that's not a word that people use with Laura Vanderkam, but I just think she's hilarious. She's really funny one-on-one and in front of small crowds. I've seen her at events and that's the takeaway that everybody has to at the end. Like, okay, she's super smart, love her, and she's funny to boot. Right, right. That's fantastic. Well, thanks for coming on and saving us from ourselves. Well, I'd love to have you on So Money. What do you say? Uh, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Are you kidding me? I can ruin your show. <laughs> I've done a good job of trying to ruin this one and we just get more listeners all the time. It's kind of annoying. Awesome. Well, yeah, come ruin it. I'd love to <laughs> burn it down, burn down the house. We will absolutely do it. Well, thanks again. My pleasure. Thanks so much, Joe. Hello, everyone. Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug here. Settle down, settle down. I know you're excited I'm here. Of course you are, because I've got the Stacking Benjamins trivia question. Is there really any other reason you downloaded this week's episode? No. All right, here goes. Allstate Insurance used to be part of the Sears company. What product did Sears first sell under the name Allstate? And now for something completely different. Your unadulterated genius from PK at DQYDJ.net. Hello, Stacking Benjamins listeners. This is PK from the website dqydj.net, standing for Don't Quit Your Day Job. And of course, I'm also from The Basement, from this segment that we like to call Fractional Sense. You know, because it's got an ambiguous definition. Today, we're going to dispatch with a lot of math to lay down some general tracks. My co-writer on the site and I were thinking through, generally, what the biggest monetary challenges were for a person and found ourselves roughly referencing a person's age uh, in the decades of their life. 
What truly sets a person apart financially is the ability to save or forego some of these expenses over uh, specific decades, or to find bargains while all of his or her peers are ticking all the checkboxes. We kick it off with the teen years, where the largest spending, in our opinion, uh, for a North American teenager, is typically on higher education. 17, 18, and 19-year-olds have been going into debt for a major they aren't quite sure about and might not finish for quite some time now. If you're a Stacking Benjamins listener in your teenage years, you're ahead of the game if you are, or if you know a teenager and they are set on college, tell them or inform them or tell yourself, if you are one of those special people, to hit the scholarships and financial aid hard. You or they will realize what a good idea it was uh, in your or their 20s. On to the 20s now, which we figure is a more transitional age. While many young men and women are realizing the debt from their college years is actually real, home buying doesn't generally come until the 30s. So yes, the major purchases for many 20-year-olds are a car or some other lifestyle expense. You know, millennial myths about going carless aside. Cars generally won't hurt you as much as a very expensive college pick or a house, but still be careful and spend below your means in that decade. Now on to the 30s where we discuss uh, when people generally will purchase their first home. This one almost goes without saying, if you are really set on foregoing renting, be very careful. Unlike a car, housing usually roughly matches the rate of inflation, so you will have a useful asset in the land, but it's still possible to overextend on this purchase. And, you know, it happened a lot if you look at 2006 through 2008. That's all I can really say about this one. Housing looks expensive right now from my perspective. But I, of course, say that from the perspective of being in the Bay Area when I'm not in the basement. So take that with a grain of salt and bid wisely. Your 40s and your 50s mostly blend together, but reflecting the cycle of life, you might see another few large checks to educational institutions fly out the door. If you're helping out a child, now it's your turn to stress the scholarships and the aid. Also in your 40s and 50s, the amount you're saving is a huge deal for the vast majority of people. Low-cost index funds are the way to go with your investment and retirement accounts. And for a large portfolio, an expensive fund can be way more expensive than that expensive car that you bought in your 20s. So save a lot, but yes, save it in an efficient way. The 60s is the last decade we'll cover, and the largest expense here is probably a too optimistic retirement. Luckily for you listeners, you're going to be well prepared if you listen to this show for some time and take all of our lessons to heart. And even if you are struggling a bit in the beginning, there are always ways to economize. Also, luckily, economizing on all of the other big spends that I mentioned in the previous decades means you will, or at least you should be, well prepared at this point, or even earlier. Anyway, I thought that the per-decade view of a person's spending was an interesting way to look at big spending decisions. It's obvious that people face different spending decisions at different times, but it turns out that a lot of the same decisions will happen in roughly a 10-year range. So yes, do your best, and if you can economize on the big spending decisions, you'll be on top for when you finally hit that retirement one. And now I'll retire this segment for this week. Until next time, here's the rest of the basement. Hey, here's the scintillating Stacking Benjamins trivia answer. In case you just woke back up, here's the question. What product did Sears first sell under the name Allstates? And the answer, cars. Who knew? 
If you got that right, consider yourself a winner. And I'm going to salute you by pouring myself one of those high-quality PBRs Joe keeps in the fridge. We're incredibly happy that SoFi, head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash S-O-F-I to check them out, decided to be our podcast sponsor. And I asked Dan Macklin, Vice President of Community Development, exactly why they can offer lower rates than everybody around them. Well, the truth is there are millions of people in the U.S. who are overpaying on their student loans today. So when people take out loans, they take them at the same rate as everybody next door. And the fact is now maybe you've graduated, you have a job and you're earning good money and we are able to refinance you because of the position that you're in today, as opposed to the position you were in when you borrowed the money when you were at school. Think you're overpaying on your student loans? Here's how you find out. Head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash SoFi, that's S-O-F-I, and see for yourself just how low rates can go. And I also love all the listener mail that we get about our sponsors, stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. Of course, if you head to magnify money using our link, what you're going to find is that you can shop not just your savings account, checking account, and credit cards against best in class, but also personal loans, including marketplace lenders. And I spoke with Nick Clements, the CEO of Magnify Money recently about marketplace lending to see what was going on. I really think this has the potential to change everything. If you think about what a bank traditionally does, it takes deposits and pays ridiculously low interest rates, and then it lends out money in the form of credit cards and charges ridiculously high interest rates. And what these marketplace lenders are doing is saying, there's gotta be a better way. We're gonna build a platform that basically gives more to the people who are looking to invest and charges less than the people uh, to the people who are trying to borrow, and everyone's gonna be better off except for the traditional banks. Do you see yourself rating the marketplace lenders in the future? Absolutely. Well, all of them out there today have great intentions. Uh, over time, they're all still for-profit businesses, and so there will be differences between them in terms of how their product works, how they price. Uh, and in fact, it can be very confusing to decide which one's best for you. And I, I view Magnify Money as being central to helping people choose the best marketplace lender to help them get the best deal for their situation. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money and check out not just your checking, savings, and credit cards, but also marketplace lenders. We get reviews on the show. Oh, gee, where have you been, by the way? You totally missed Varnoosh. Well, I'm here to, were we just giving the mail or? <laughs> While you were taking the trash out, Farnoosh came down, did the reviews, and she's gone. My favorite thing. <laughs> I know. Fine. Well, she did a fine job. So uh, uh, everybody go check out uh, Farnoosh's operation. Good stuff over there. But for now, we get reviews. We're very thankful to people that leave us a review about our show. We're so thankful because as uh, that's how people find us is through reviews and we have a couple that are going on mom's fridge today. The first one comes to us from C Newhouse 27. Five stars. Favorite financial podcast. Started listening about a month ago after hearing Joe on the Money Tree podcast. As you know, gee, I'm a contributor over on the Money Tree podcast where they talk about investing. 
and it's only investing, not as wide a topic as ours with overall financial planning. But thanks for following us over here, C. Newhouse 27. He's really enjoyed binging on the back episodes, he or she. Love the guests and the diverse topics covered. I always get the impression the hosts really are having a lot of fun, and I really like when Paul is on the show. We all like when Paul is on the show, C. Newhouse. So thanks for the review. If you've got a review for us, head to iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. And not only will we give you a big thank you by reading it on air, but you'll also help us find new listeners, which helps us keep podcasting. Thanks a ton for everybody who's done it so far. That's it, man. Another show down. And what's cool is you and I are going to go see the same movie this next week. We're going to go see Inside Out. I'm pretty excited. I like those joint reviews when we both get to talk about. I know the kids are excited to see it, so it'll be fun. First movie, by the way, and I told you before, I try not to watch the Rotten Tomato score ahead of time. Okay. First movie I've seen in forever that has 100% score so far. <laughs> it has 100? 100. Boy, that's scary. <laughs> not one critic doesn't like it. Okay. So I like the voices. Like Lewis Black is the angry man, and if you know him from his comedy bit, he is every bit the angry man. Amy Poehler. Amy Poehler. Bill Hader. Uh, Bill Hader. Yeah. And um, who else? Mindy Canning. Is that her last name? I don't remember. She was on The Office, and she's on the right. Mindy Experience. The anyway. Usually at this part of the show, everybody, if you're brand new to the show, welcome. But at this point, if you're listening for more financial talk, you might as well. Wait till next time because we're done talking about finance for today. OG and I both see a bunch of movies and a bunch of TV shows. I saw over 70 movies last year. OG saw a bunch. And you know what, OG? Today, we're not talking about movies. We're going to talk TV because, you know, as I'm always looking for new articles, I go to different places. And Yahoo Finance is a great place to read headlines. I like using Yahoo Finance a lot. But they recently launched Yahoo Screen. And if you listen to the show for a while, you know I've been watching Community, and Community recently was picked up by Yahoo Screen. So I'd never been there to watch shows. I'm still way behind. I've only done two seasons of Community so far. And I actually stopped, not because I don't love it, because I think Community is hilarious. I stopped it because I wanted to listen to and, and watch some other shows. But I saw this trailer for this show called Sin City Saints. People always ask me, Jake, why would you buy an expansion team? You need another toy? I did it because I miss the excitement that comes with trying to build something. Over All-Star break, if you happen to impregnate a woman, which some of you will, make sure she's tall. Because in 20 years, I'm going to draft your illegitimate children. All right, baby. This is the show, OG, about a mogul in Sin City, one of these Silicon Valley millionaires, young very rich, decides to buy an expansion and uh, NBA franchise. And this is about the operation. And as a guy who liked Sports Night, the TV show, and I like watching movies and TV shows about sports operations, I thought I'd give this a shot. Tom Arnold plays the multimillionaire's business manager. 
and there's people in the show that I recognize, but no big name besides Tom Arnold that I've seen before. You see like they have Penn and Teller and Carrot Top sitting along the court, like when the team's playing. This show is incredibly dumb and incredibly funny. I thought it was way funny. Like I really enjoyed the first episode. It was a complete waste of time, but it was 30 minute waste of time. That's right up your alley. That's what you like to do. You like those 30 minute wastes of time. Yes. Yeah. If I can find a 30 minute waste of time show where I laugh quite a bit, I laughed a lot through this. As you heard, even in the trailer, I thought that was funny. You know, if you impregnate a woman, (laughs) make sure she's tall because I'm going to draft your illegitimate child 20 years from now. It's so great. Just bad groaner humor all the way through it. So really like it. Some bad acting. You know, the start of any sitcom will have some really bad acting. I liked it a lot better than... And I won't play the trailer, but there's an outer space show also that Paul Feig created, the guy that did Bridesmaids and also just did the new movie Spy that we talked about a couple weeks ago. I really like Paul Feig. This show stars, this outer space show stars that guy. You know, the two guys that are in those Verizon commercials and the one guy's really annoying and the two guys tuck back and forth. AT&T commercials, I believe. Is it AT&T? I thought it was Verizon. Yeah, AT&T. And they're going around the country and they're talking to people. And they always ask the one guy, is the other guy always like this? And he goes, yes. Well, the guy who's spaced out weird is the star of that show. And I have to tell you, I've watched two episodes of that show. He single-handedly ruins the show for me. I've given up after two episodes. Can't watch the show because I want to beat the heck out of the guy. Don't understand that kind of humor. I like dumb humor. And that show's beyond dumb humor. So, and actually a lot of the other humor on the show, I think is kind of funny, but not that. I'm looking forward to HBO. I saw a preview. They have a show called Ballers that's coming out. It looks like it's a former NFL, maybe, you know, player starts his own sports marketing franchise. That sounds cool. It's The Rock is the guy. Is he really? Yeah. So I think that'd be kind of cool. And with with HBO's new announcement that you can do it on demand, you know, you can just subscribe to HBO on Apple TV. Right. You don't have to like do the whole cable package deal. Yeah. You can try it, try it for a couple of weeks, turn it off. I like that. That's cool. I'll be looking forward to that. I want to go see the Entourage movie. I watched all of Entourage. It started off really fun, got really kind of stupid near the end, but I, seen any I like those characters enough. I know that Game of Thrones is supposed to be pretty good. I think that's an HBO. Game of Thrones is funny. A lot of people watch that. I read the books and because I read the books, I watched the first episode and it just seemed like a shortened version of exactly the book. And I've heard that they've started diverging now, but I really like the texture of the book. I thought the books are great. Well, that's the whole thing about books and movies, right? You got to, we were talking about that. Somebody was saying, oh, I want to see, oh, we were talking about American Sniper. So I want to see American Sniper, but I want to read the book first. I'm like, no, no, no. Go to the movie because it like hits the highlights and then read the book for the in-depth 15 pages on the one quick five second scene. That's what the guys at Film Spotting, one of my favorite movie podcasts, say also. They're like, always read the book after. If you like I did the- that with The Road, that real dark, dark apocalyptic movie with Vigo Mortensen and uh, Charlize Theron. She offs herself at the very beginning. In the movie, I saw it and it was real. Have you seen this? No, it looks looks super dark. So I, it's, I skipped oh, it's, it. Oh, yeah. It's decent. The book is like really cool. You know, it's all about this dad who's trying to get his kid out of, you know, to the coast, basically. And in the movie, the wife can't take it anymore, right? So she goes out into the darkness and you just never see her again. So you just assume that she gave up, basically. (laughs) In the book, it's very descriptive of what happens. Like, what does she do and how does she do it and who finds her? And 
the trauma that, that the, the kid feels and all this other sort of stuff. Princess Bride. I had a couple of people tell me that if you love the movie Princess Bride, read the book. And you know the whole, I am Inigo Montoya, you killed my father, yeah. prepared to die. Inigo Montoya, yeah. There is a whole chapter about Inigo Montoya's dad yeah. and about how that happened. Like, and it's a hilarious chapter. It is just, you can tell they cut it just because of time. Oh yeah, there's so many extra chapters in that book. You laugh out loud as much in the book as you, you Maybe know. Maybe that's a book you have to get and read to your kid, just like in the movie he's reading to his grandkids. That's funny because we did that. We were actually on a road trip and when we get to boring parts of the trip, Cheryl would take out the book and she'd read to the entire family. It was like having a you know, instead of a like a live book on tape, <laughs> yeah, instead of an audible playing, we had audible. We had Cheryl. Now, how did audible. you pause it? Did you just like slug her in the face or something? <laughs> <laughs> I can't find pause. the pause button. Where's the pause button? Pause. Yes. Rewind. <laughs> right. Right. It was fun. Thanks to Farnoosh Tarabi for being on the show today. Visit her show. So money. Uh, comes out seven days a week. That is a big, big time commitment to do a podcast seven days a week. Can't imagine being able to do that. I know how hard it is for us to do three days a week. And then thanks to you, OG. We'll see everybody back here on Friday with a short stack. An idea so good, mom wants to give it a special show all its own. And then next week on the show, Laura Vanderkam returns. She was one of our first big time guests. Laura Vanderkam, who talks about time management a ton. She's back talking about executive women and how they manage their time. You know, a lot of these executives have family commitments and they have work commitments. And she's going to talk about all that more next Wednesday. So, of course, a great roundtable on Monday. We'll see everybody on Friday, though, with the short stack. This show is the property of the Free Financial Advisor, LLC, copyright 2015, and is produced by Joe Salcihai and edited by Joe and Isabella Bianca. You'll find notes for this show at stackingbenjamins.com. You'll find notes for a good show at moneyplansos.com. Our apologies to Dave Ramsey. I know he wants to be on the podcast, but we aren't accepting guest spots this week. You know, Joe, I really thought doing these credits completely naked would have been a lot more fun than it actually was. So we started talking at the beginning of the uh, episode about teaching kids about money. Yes. And I'm trying to teach my kids about like money is a family thing. It's not a public thing, but it's not a completely private thing either. You know, so how much my wife makes or how much I make or whatever, you know, we talk about that sort of stuff. If we have good days or if we spend money, we talk about how much it costs and that sort of thing. So I decided to buy an Apple watch, which is surprising to some, not to many though.
And uh, if you've listened to this show for any amount of time, that yeah. should not surprise you. Yeah. It's surprising that it took me until June to buy it. That's what surprises me. I just didn't want to ship it. I wanted to go to the store and they finally had them in store. So anyway, so we're at the Apple store. My kids are behaving magically because they're playing iPads the whole time. And so I pick out the watch that I want and I take it. And, you know, I'm hyper conscious of like security, right? Like, like you hear all those stories, like people walking with their headphones in and they get clubbed over the back of their head and their purse taken, right? Well, Apple, of course, gives you the Apple Watch in a bag that says Apple Watch on it. <laughs> so it's not just like an Apple bag or it could be an Apple TV. It says Apple Watch. So I'm rolling it up and my, we're walking out of the store. We're the last ones out of the store, last ones out of the mall, right? It's dark. My kids are like, did you get a watch, Dad? I'm like, yeah. Did you get a watch, Dad? Yeah. Dad, how much was that watch? Was it super expensive? Is that one of the new watches? Is it in the bag? And I'm like, just <laughs> quiet down. Doesn't matter how much you go. You said that we can talk about money. And I'm like, yeah, right. But not at the mall. So they have stuff to learn. Not out loud. Yeah, not out loud. I mean, so I don't have a problem telling them, you know, this is how much it costs. And this is why I spent that money. And this is how I earned that money and all that sort of stuff. I'm not ashamed of it. But um, they have, we have a ways to go before they, you know, they're blabbing. I told you about the near... My dad just spent $700 on a watch. And he looks pretty weak right now. He hasn't eaten his Wheaties in a month. <laughs> he won't be paying attention to anything around him as he as we run around. And, you could probably attack us right now. I know. Come and get the watch. It's, my dad's holding it loosely in his left hand. <laughs> that wadded up ball, that's a really expensive piece of jewelry. That's an Apple watch. Yes. If you ever wanted an Apple watch, now's the time to get it. <laughs> it's not even registered yet. There's no tracking at all. Dad, is that registered yet? So I told you about the New York Times review of the Apple Watch. I don't know that you did. The New York Times review I really liked because it said, and I asked another friend of mine what he thought, and he said he thought that was right on. He said at first he thought, ah, this is kind of silly, and he got it. Then he said it took a while to set it up. Like it was harder to set up than he thought it was going to be. And then it took him a week to figure out why the hell do I need this thing? And then after a week, his only thought was, how would I ever live without this? It's just like any Apple product, right? Some of the things that I appreciate, and I had a Fitbit that worked with it already. I appreciate the notification of my phone because sometimes, you know, you get your phone off on the desk or something or it's buried under something and the phone rings and you are digging to try to find it or it's in another room and you don't hear it. My Fitbit did this too, where it would like just buzz once and you could kind of glance at it real fast and see, oh, that's a call I need to get. So I appreciate that. The notifications are nice. I don't know much about the rest of it. Right I like now, I've got the little Mickey thing dancing. Yeah, I think that's pretty cool. The thing that frustrates me about the phone is it's so disruptive. Like there's a lot of time I don't want to, I don't want to know about the phone. Well, which you can is do that. Why. You just swipe up, hit do not disturb, no notifications. Well, there was a cool thing. I think it was a Kickstarter campaign recently by a guy who used to be a Samsung developer. And he said the problem with Samsung products with their phone was that Samsung would make the phone and it would come preloaded with all kinds of stuff. But then right. let's say HTC is selling the actual product. Samsung would ship the stuff to HTC and HTC would preload it with even more crap that's mm -hmm. redundant. And he said, you know, it wasn't sexy the way the Apple products, frankly, used to be more than they are now, where they had less features, but they did stuff completely right. You know, yeah. less stuff and it always worked. Well, this little product... I don't remember what it was. If it was like a stone, I should have copied this. But all it did, all it did was vibrated if you'd gotten a phone call from somebody who you preloaded into it. 
So you could safely turn off your, like, let's say I wanted to hear from you, but I didn't want to hear from anybody else. I can turn off my phone and this little thing will vibrate if you're the one calling me. If anybody else is calling me, it doesn't even notify me. I thought that was a great product. Yeah. Well, it's in the hyper connective culture, right? It's like people now go on vacation and leave their iPhones. in the, Like when we go up north, I leave my phone in the car because it's such a pain in the butt to go get the keys and unlock the car and get my phone. And I can do that once a day and it's fine. Just another way to shut it down. It's just to get it out. Otherwise, what happens? You end up at dinner table, right? You end up at the dinner table or you end up sitting on the boat, <laughs> you know, with the family and everybody's looking like this. You can't see me, but everybody's like this. And you're, so what's the sense of being on vacation if everybody's going to be staring at their iPhones all day? Dude, speaking of technology and E3 just happened. Yeah. And have you caught any of it? Yes. Well, what I did was I went back and watched later. Usually I try to watch live. It's, it's, it's like the one week that I totally geek out and I try to watch these press conferences live. Didn't get to do that. But I watched the EA, the Ubisoft and the Microsoft press conferences. And as people that have listened to the show for a long time know, I don't have as much time to play video games as I'd like to. I love listening to talk about video that. games. Love listening to talk about video games. I like sitting down. Like last night, I sat down and uh, played a little bit of NCAA football. First time I've done anything like that in 10 days. But it was fun. And I played for maybe half an hour and then I was done. But I think I'm going to buy the Xbox One now because of this. My big problem is that my kids have played so many different games. They've had gifts of video games that we have these stacks of games that I would love to play if I ever get time, which I know I'm not going to. But backwards compatibility now and so your xbox one will play all your xbox 360 games and i didn't hear that yeah and i get all the xbox one features like you know pausing tv or or tv over the i mean all the stuff that i could get with a cable package anyway but you know screen on one side where i'm watching whatever but plus i'm playing the game on the other side just all Mm -hmm. the cool stuff that the xbox one does on top of that i think i'm gonna get it this Christmas. Yeah, that's the problem is that Gen 1 things are always cool. And then Gen 2, 3, and 4 is when, like, they make the big leaps. And that's what my wife was saying about the Apple Watch. She's like, oh, don't you think maybe you just want to wait, like, six months? See what they come out, you know, once they get all the stuff worked out. I'm like, yeah, I'll get one then, too. Look at the iPad. I mean. Uh, oh, yeah. IPad. But I've gone through three iPads already. But I'm iPad, on my third generation. iPad, iPad now is telling you you have to have one of the new iPads for it to do the coolest thing ever, right? Which is have two things open at the same time. Yeah. Yep. Which why we didn't have that before is beyond me, because once they announced that, I'm like, there it is. Their iPad Air 3 or whatever. And I heard, speaking of Microsoft, they actually stole that from the Surface. Yes. Because well, what's funny is the Surface isn't selling well, but every critic loves it. Like it's one of the first Microsoft products besides the Xbox that people actually go, you know, that's pretty good. And I'm hearing great things about Windows 10, by the way, too. What's up with Microsoft? I'll, I'll never know. I'll never turn on a Windows product again as long as I live. (laughs) Well, I don't know, man. You know, I've gone almost completely Apple here besides the Xbox. And, man, it's gotten clunkier. It is just... Really? Yeah. Yeah. I've started to use the, like, the syncing of all the features. I have that. You know, like the phone rings on my phone. It shows up on my computer. It's on my iPad. It's on my... can FaceTime you and then pick it up on my phone and... You know, if I'm doing something and I got to run out, I can slip it, yep. it over to my phone and kind of keep going on that whatever project I was on. I, uh, I do like that kind of thing. You really buy into one ecosystem or another. I mean, they're trying to get kinda you to buy to. into the entire yeah. ecosystem. And yeah, you really do have to. All, all so, enough. wow, that's the most serious after show we've had in a while. But the big news is we should give out your address so people could come steal your Apple Watch. Yes. Since it's your kids. One, two, three, four, anywhere street, <laughs> anywhere USA. 
5505. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. 